Welcome, Chip, to the World XP Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. I know uh heard all sorts of stories and all sorts of wonderful things, and I know you're a very busy person, so really appreciate your time. Welcome. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. It'll be fun. So um, one of the things, one of the stories that I know, obviously, and for those listening, um, Chip was a former ESPN or ABC Sports reporter um, back in the day before I really knew what that was, but so he has a pretty good handle on the world of media. And I was thinking in the car on the way back from practice today, one of the things I wanted to ask him was, we've seen this giant shift in media generally uh, over the last couple decades. And, and since you were a part of it, I, I wanted to get your thoughts before we get into more your story, uh, because that's something that's been very curious for me to watch, uh, especially the last five to 10 years. But You've been a part of it, and you've seen the shift yourself. So what sort of thoughts do you have? What What do you think caused it? Like, anything. Well, a, a lot is taking place in a short amount of time. And for your generation, Eric, that's the way the world is now. It's much faster. Things happen quickly, and, and especially with these internets and computers and gizmos, things happen very quickly. Uh, but in my day, when I first started doing stuff with ABC. Really, ABC and CBS were about the only people doing college football. I mean, ESPN was not really even mentioned. It was called the four-letter there for a long time because that's all anybody knew to call them. So bowl games, and I'll give you a prime example of this, bowl games, ABC, the, the big three on New Year's Day, the Citrus Bowl, followed the Rose Bowl, and then the Sugar Bowl. And if you had a chance to broadcast any of those three, you would hit the jackpot. So those were the big bowls. I mean, that was a big day of college football. And now with the Internet, and that's totally changed everything. It would take me a long time to go through all of that. But because I had had the ABC background and I was working at a station in, in Richmond, Virginia, I was the only person working for ABC at the time that I was working for them and that you're talking about. 99, 2000, 2001, mostly. Um, there, wasn't, there wasn't anybody that did what I did Monday through Friday that did the, the college football with ABC on the weekends. And that changed with the Internet. And when ESPN first decided they want to go, that your apps, you know, you go to your phone now, your apps, you can see everything on, the, on that phone. They called and said, look, we know it's hard for you to, to do games, especially that were outside about a three- or four-hour window because I would be doing the late high school football show on Friday night and I'd have to get somewhere for the Saturday game. That was, that was tough. So they said, we know you like this part of you know, not having a long drive and not having all the meetings because we'd have meetings about meetings with ABC, and I loved them, but, boy, there were a lot of meetings. And so by doing it, on the app, which now every game is on the app, as you can you can tell, you can put up your screen every single week and you can see everybody's game. So it was less cameras, it was less graphics, it was less folks involved to do it. But I told them very quickly that, that this was the goal mine. And I can remember going to Maryland and doing a game with Maryland playing Central Michigan or Eastern Michigan. I can't remember which one it was. One of the first ones that they did. And um, I, they asked me afterwards, I said, I think it's great. I said, Folks don't care about 80 million graphics. Folks don't care about 80 million cameras. They just want to see the game. And so I did a bunch of games, maybe 2002, 2003, even 2004, before it really just exploded. So for me to go from when it really wasn't very many games, and it was a very small circle of folks who did college football with ABC and CBS had the SEC package even then, such a small number to now a gargantuan number. And that's changed everything. And then the other thing that's changed, and I'm going a long way with this, I know, but it, but it kind of will help you understand it. Now the conferences, so like the Southern Conference, and I'm going to use that as a, as a conference to talk about, has teams like VMI in it and Citadel. What you do is if you're the home team, you do the broadcast for the game that would be carried on the conference and on the ESPN app. The away team, it's just the away team. So you're trying to do the broadcast as straight down the middle as you can, just like everybody else would do a broadcast. So now you don't have the expense of trying to do every game. You're doing half the season usually. And that has gone into almost all of the conferences now, uh, except for the big, big ones, because it saves money. But you also get every game up. 
And, you know, this device, the guys on the golf course, the folks at home having big gatherings, I mean, everybody can see it, and it's very easy to get to the apps. So the apps continue to change. And, well, I think it's great because the more exposure, I think, the better it is for college football, for example. And that's the one I'm using because that's the one that's really exploded with it. But now it's college basketball, too. And now you can see a lot of the other sports that were never carried that are, that are coming on and they're on all the time now. And I think that's going to continue to, to be the growth process. So a long, long answer, I know, for a big question. But there's so many different facets I could take you through of the changes in that. Um, and it's been drastic. And it's fun to have been a part of it because there are times I go, wow, this is, this is really mind-blowing of what, has taken place, and, and it, it still is mind-blowing because of how many other things that they're doing. But, you know, you can sit at home and and go on your Internet, and you could probably see 20 or 30 football games every single week, and that's just at one time slot. And, you know, that happens all day and through the evening. So I think it's opened the doors to more availability, and it's also a lot less expensive for networks to carry. That's why ESPN's app is so popular now because – you can see about all the conference games for, you know, most every conference on that app. So it's, it's, it's really amazing what's taking place. But I think it's kind of neat. Uh, yeah. It's, it's really different. It's really cool to see, like, I didn't – five years ago, I never would have considered paying for ESPN Plus. But now I no. do because they have all the European soccer leagues on there, or most Correct. of them anyways. Yes. Um, and before, before we get um, – before we get going, because I had a bunch of thoughts that came off your answer, Do can you do a real quick um, – introduction of like your involvement i know you said you did the high school shows and then you did some of the abc sports but yeah just do a real quick run, run through so that people listening know so um i i spent 26 years in day-to-day television i was a sports director in richmond virginia the last one which is where i live now before that I was in Asheville, north carolina birmingham alabama and then my first job was in chattanooga tennessee and i was a weekend sports anchor there 26 full-time years of just doing the daily sports. So what used to be, um, you know, kind of like the newspaper of the day, you'd have a 6 o'clock show and an 11 p.m. show, and then you'd tape for the morning show. Did that and also started hustling on the side to do college football because that was something I always wanted to do. So I worked with groups like Fox Sports South. It's no longer like Fox Sports South anymore, but they had the Southern Conference package. And then I worked with other groups along the way. And that's kind of how you moved up and then was very fortunate when they started doing some more regional broadcast. Uh, ABC was great about doing that. They might decide they wanted to do a couple of games out of the ACC one week. And, and I could get a phone call, hey, could you go do the sidelines? And this started maybe the middle 90s of, hey, would you do the sidelines of Virginia, Virginia Tech? Well, heck, yeah, that's a pretty easy ride. I was an hour from UVA and three and a half hours to go to Virginia Tech. So those were, those were easy to do. But to get that opportunity opened the other doors. So I got involved in a lot of stuff. It's senior tennis. Uh, when I was talking about the high school football, we did a high school football show every Friday night at the station in Richmond. Uh, and then the other stations I was at too. But that was just part of what the gig was. So you did the reps. I mean, that's what I, I tell young folks now. You have to do the reps of doing these games after game. After game. I don't even remember all the games that I went to and did over years but i do know that you, you had to do the reps which is why i still love doing them now i've been doing analyst role for vmi for for quite a few years now when i left television the idea was not to continue to do all the tv things i had done and i left television because as you know my oldest son you're good friends and he was in high school at the time where he was swimming and my younger one was playing soccer and i was missing stuff because you can't work friday friday night and all day saturday and see anything that your, your, your boys are doing and I didn't like it <laughs> I, mean, I was ready to be dad yeah. and so once they got a little further along then it was easier for me to get back into it and I've been very fortunate to be able to get back into doing some of those things so I did a lot of everything I, mean, I, I tried to get involved with everything we did the state open golf tournament in our station for years I did senior tennis it was kind of fun to do people like John McEnroe and Jimmy Connors playing tennis that's pretty cool stuff um, we had the senior women come to town uh, you Years ago, and Martina Navratilova and Chris Everett, who I had a question on when I was younger. Oh, my goodness. I always loved Chris Everett. These folks are in town. So to, 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 to be able to do those kind of things, I, I've been very fortunate over the years. I mean, very fortunate. I got asked the other night, I was doing another podcast, and they asked, well, you know, give us some of the bigger games that, that you got to do. And 
I knew there were, it was a younger audience. And I said, how many of you have heard of Drew Brees? And of course, oh, you know, they, they knew who Drew Brees was. Drew Brees' senior year at Purdue, they were hosting Notre Dame. They had never beaten Notre Dame at home, ever. But this year they did. And I was doing sidelines and got to, I drew on after the game. I've got a picture of that down the hall. It's just really kind of cool. During the game, I was doing sidelines and we, we got his mom calling a touchdown pass. It just happened to be up there at the right time. Got, got her, got him throwing a touchdown pass. And she's, <gasps> you know, it was great. But the other big thing for me at that time was the two folks I got to work with. Brent Musburger, who was my, one of my heroes growing up, did play by play for that game. And a guy named Dan Fouts that played for the San Diego Chargers did color. And then the person producing that game was a guy named Bob Goodrich. And Bob Goodrich was the executive producer of ABC College Football. And to work with Bob Goodrich is still one of the greatest things for me. In fact, I was texting with him last week. Luckily, I've been able to stay in touch with him for years. But to, to make those kind of contacts um, and to work alongside those folks was just I mean, it, it still kind of blows me away that, that I was able to, to do that. And so I'm, I'm very appreciative of what took place over those years. Yeah, even, like, I don't follow follow college football that much, but Brent and Dan, like, I know those names. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's insane. Um, it, it was insane. It was insane. But, you know, you're the soccer guy. And, yeah. you know, my youngest playing soccer, and you talk about the soccer. We, we made a traverse it was eight years ago to to see the EPL, and uh, his team's Tottenham. So now that's become my team. So we went to Tottenham. It was the first game we saw on a Saturday, and we saw it till midway through the second half, and they were they were winning big, three or four nothing. And then we ran to Chelsea and saw Chelsea play. So we saw two games in one day, and that was one of the coolest things. So I. I I'm a big fan of the EPL now as well. And, of course, he's a, he's a big Messi fan. So you have to be a Messi fan with him or, or he'll kick you out of the club. So, you know, <laughs> I enjoy all of it. I, I really do. And, of course, with, with my oldest swimming, my goodness, I, I, I've fallen in love with the swimming. Yeah. I think so, – um, so it's, it's amazing how you change over the years and that you really enjoy it. Yeah. One of the things that your first answer that I was thinking about is when – so this season when we were playing for the fire, um, one of the things that they started doing was streaming their games on Twitch. And yeah. that's a new thing as well. And one of the things that that made me think about in relation to you was almost the dilution of fans to local teams. And if you've seen that as, yeah. as you're like through your years in, in the industry and kind of what your take on that is, because I know – um, given some of the NFLs and NBA, they've had some not political issues, but like some some things where people have kind of turned off to it. But the availability of all these other like teams to watch is now there. So, what's what's your sort? What are your what are your thoughts on that sort of phenomenon? Well, if you if you think about it, a lot of people are transients. I mean, I didn't grow up in Virginia, but we've been here since nineteen eighty eight. I grew up in Georgia. So you'd think, okay, well, all the Atlanta teams and all the Georgia teams, you know, you're, you're always going to be rooting for. Well, you couldn't see them when you moved to Virginia. Now you can see so many things that you, you couldn't see then, and especially in a big metropolitan area like a, a Washington, D.C., you've definitely got folks transit that move in. So it's an opportunity for you to still be, you know, on the team without living in the area. And I think that's why the EPL is having so much great success NBC is not crazy. They put it on Peacock. Now it's on USA Network too. I mean, they're they're expanding that thing, and that that program is sensational. Uh, Rebecca Lowe is as good as anybody I've ever seen hosting them. She's sensational. I'm, I'm yeah, a huge Rebecca really good. Lowe. Oh, oh my gracious! She's just she's off the charts. You know, and she's she's good enough where they won her on the Olympics, and she's worked you know two or three Olympics too. So you you really got to be top draw to be to be in that in that realm. That's that's fun to watch so I, I i enjoy so i enjoy a lot of stuff you know folks might not even think some of those things that i, I, I know anything about I'm, I'm not saying i'm i'm deep into it or i know a lot about it but i enjoy watching it and enjoy being a part of it yeah that was so and then one of the other thoughts i had based off your last question but also a couple of the podcasts that i've done recently we've there's been this 
Um, we've all touched on the idea of like people being at the top of their game in whatever industry they're in. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you is like, you don't often think of like what it means. Like you mentioned Rebecca Lowe, you don't often think of what it means to be at the top of your game as a anchor. What, what does that mean for like, what are the things that like, that you notice with her or like that you try to do when you were, when you were anchoring or like what sorts of things like mark a top, top, like, sports anchor or sports reporter? You know, I, I think it's it's different for me with different sports and with different positions. I just think Rebecca Lowe does such a great job of running the show. She is the quarterback of that team. And whoever is working on the sides, whether she's got both of the Robbies or whoever else she has there, she's, you know, getting them in and out of the questions quickly. She's getting into the commercial breaks. She's getting into the highlights. Bad, bad, bad. She just has a great pacing about her. And I think that's something that, that you really have to work at. It comes naturally to a lot of folks, but you really have to work at that. And um, it's just something that I think she's she's really done a great job with. And it, it really depends. You know, having, as I told somebody, I'll go back to the Musburger story. I'd listened to Brent Musburger forever, it seemed like, when he was hosting the NFL Today on CBS years and years ago, the NFL, when my uncle played. And then to hear him in your earpiece and to just hear how, marvelously he described and saw things and it just made you realize just how good this guy was and I had a lot of people that I got to work with like that and uh, one of my favorites is a guy that, that you may know from from uh, being in sports in Washington DC is a guy named Tim Brandt and Tim Brandt was just marvelous to me I, I had a bunch of games with him in fact I had Probably the game that was the most difficult game I ever had to do. But Tim Brandt was just sensational. That game was Texas, Texas A&M years ago. At Texas A&M, they built this big log fire. It's a jamboree. And it crashed, and 12 youngsters died uh, during that mishap. And I'll never forget, I was lucky enough to get the president from Texas A&M on um, with us before the game. And before it started, and just half I got him, and I couldn't believe it. Nobody could believe it. And that was the first time we made a public statement about what had taken place. And to have that opportunity to allow him that platform, and it was a, it was a network game, so it was all across the country. And to have that moment for him and for that school in such a difficult, difficult time meant a lot to me. It also meant a lot to me that, the guy coaching the other team, Mike Brown, had become a dear friend. I mean, just really was sensational. And to have both of those situations, because Mike handled it like I'm not sure any other coach could have handled it. And it was a tough situation. And he told me years later, he said, you know, if I look back now, we probably shouldn't have played the game. We got beat, but that's not that, – that wasn't the important thing. I just don't know if it was the right thing to play the game. And I think he's probably right. If, but hindsight's always perfect twenty twenty. But that was that was a moving, moving um, day that day. And um, just to just to be on the sidelines to do that was 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 amazing. And Tim Brown could not have been better to work with. Just I still think a lot of Tim Brown. Those situations seem to bring out the best in people that you don't see like with the coach and mm-hmm. and the president. And so when you're, when you're there, you have to kind of allow your emotions to kind of be off to the side almost because yeah. you've got to let them do them. Was that, is that difficult in, in that situation or had you had enough sort of experience by that time that you were like, no, this is his time to, to give the statement or like, Walk walk me through that a little bit because I can imagine not like the like the level of composure that you needed to have to get that done and to ask the right questions and, and to know when to lay off and let him talk and not interject like all that stuff is that's a lot. We have a limited amount of time and I told him that as we got I said this might only be one question just depending on how much you know how long you go. And the guy directing was a guy named Bruce Clark, who I don't know how many games I did with Bruce. And Bruce said, all right, Chipper, you got him. Here's what we're going to just come and tell you. And, you know, we got to hit the break. So he said, you got to throw it to the break. I got it. So 
we had a very short window to get the president on to get this, get what he was going to say, and then get to the break because you had to get the game kicked off on time. So um, I, I had been in similar situation, not to that degree, and not that big a stage as like a, a, a network game, um, or you know how many eyes are watching, and you never you never think of that. I just wanted to try to give that that president his opportunity to say what he felt like he needed to say. And for me to kind of get out of the way. And um, I can remember thanking him and telling him that uh, I thought some prayers of everybody associated with the network. And I was kind of speaking to the network at that moment with you and, and all of Texas A&M. And then I went to the break. And I can remember that's somewhat how it was. I don't remember the exact verbiage, obviously. But um, I, I think that was the best um, I could have done at that moment. And I, I, I felt comfortable about it. He, he was very gracious and said, thank you for having us on. And I, I was more grateful that he would do that. And uh, so that was powerful. Uh, but there's some funny things that happened, too. I got one of my favorite ones is uh, Nick Saban was the head coach of Michigan State. And they had a guy that was a receiver by the name of Plaxico Burris. You've probably heard of Plaxico Burris. I know him. Yeah, he's a, he used to play for the Steelers. Yeah, Plaxico, they played in Michigan. He had 222 yards receiving, and they beat Michigan that day. It was a big deal. So Lloyd Carr was the head coach of Michigan, and I had had enough Michigan games and been around Lloyd enough. They had a quarterback that kind of got hurt in the first half. We didn't know if he was going to start the second half, and so – Tim Brand again doing the game, and a guy named Mike Golick was doing college. You might have heard of Mike Golick. I mean, he's been around a bit. So, anyway, I said, I'll find out. So, I got in the huddle with Michigan. <laughs> they're, they're in the huddle getting ready to start the second half. Got the mic, and I said, got him, Bruce, so please throw it down to me. Tim throws it down to me, and Lloyd Carr turns, and I said, Coach, will so-and-so start the second half? Yes, thank you. <laughs> and they were all dying laughing. What were you doing in the middle of the huddle? I said, gonna, how else am I going to get to Lloyd Carr? That's, that's, that's who we needed to have to give us the answer. So, you know, you do what you kind of have to do uh, and chase folks down if you had to. I had to chase, chase Frank Beamer down to Virginia Tech one game. He, he got caught in the middle of the field. I'm out there grabbing him. I said, come on, coach. And, you know, of course, I've, I've known him as long as I've been in Richmond. And he's like, wherever you lead me, I'll go. Just get me out of this mess. So I'm <laughs> and uh, some of those things are, are funny on the sidelines. The sidelines is a funny place because at that time, there weren't, there weren't anybody else down there. There was nobody down there. You had no help. You didn't have anybody but you and a camera person. So you're trying to get a camera person. Are right, you staying there or are you coming with me? And then you run out and you're about tackling these folks and pulling them back on the field with you or off the field or wherever you got to go to try to get this interview. And time again matters because, you know, you got to either hit the next game or you're trying to hit uh, back to the network. And it's, so it's, it's, that was kind of fun because you just, you just never knew what you might get. And um, that, you know, just kind of was some funny stories over the years. Um, there, there really were, but, but I wouldn't have traded it for the world. Loved every minute of it. Yeah, that's a learned skill, I feel like, being able to butt your head in where it's not really supposed to be to get an answer that you need. Um, I don't know. I know now a lot of coaches and players aren't, like, they get a little bit annoyed with it. Like, um, yes. or sometimes, like, Greg Popovich, for he'll give, like, very funny answers. Be like, oh, what what went wrong for you? And he'll be like, they scored more than us. And he'll be like, oh, all right, well, good, good answer, Greg. And then... <laughs> Well, he, and, he and Sager had a great thing going. I mean, it was hilarious. Yeah, those those two were Craig great. Sager. That was it's like it's like Barkley now. Just just put Barkley on anywhere, and it, he's hilarious TV. Uh, you know, then you've got Ernie Johnson, who's just the consummate right down the middle guy. Another guy I've known for a long time. It's just as good a human being, and here he is. He's refereeing that trio, and that's a hilarious trio. Uh, oh, it is. Jack and the Jet. They don't need games to talk. They can talk about anything. Yeah, watch it. Ernie does. Ernie does a very good job. I, yeah. I made a joke uh, at one point that 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 halftime show should win an Oscar just for yeah. for best comedy. Yes, it is, it, it, and it's night in and night out. I tell mm -hmm. folks, there's not an off night for them. They're funny every night. Mm -hmm. That's hard to do. It is. It's really hard to do. 
for for the anchor for Ernie's perspective, I don't imagine that you would have had a situation similar to that. But what mm-hmm. like when you watch him kind of keep those three under under control a little bit, what is like like what's going through your head because as as somebody that sat in that spot on different shows, you like I know you can imagine like okay, we got to get to commercial, but Shaq has just chased Kenny to the board, or like <laughs> yeah. like somebody like somebody pushed a Christmas tree over on him. Like I know yeah. like what's going on in your head when he's kind of doing when he's going through that. You know the the beauty there, and and this has to happen. Those other guys have got to know they have to rely on you to get them in and out. And they have to read your eyes. And a lot of times with your eyes, you can, or the nodding, or there's, there's some things that you can do that may be off camera. Mm-hmm. You can even do the wrap it up. If you're on camera, you still really have to do facial expressions. But they know each other so well. And that's something that you just kind of have to, have to teach. And you kind of have to learn from each other. And so you learn body language and signals and so forth. And they do it really well. But th- that's what I think you always, you always do. And, and you know, really fortunate. I never had anybody that really just kept going. I mean, I, 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 and hopefully I, I was good at signaling. I hope that that was part of it. And if it's live, you know, you can't take it back. <laughs> Once it's out there, it's, it's okay. There we go. So, but, but I think that's, that's the best. It's chemistry. The chemistry has to be good. And that's back to Rebecca Love. Her chemistry with those guys, very good. Ernie's chemistry is sensational. I mean, you know, these people are really good at the craft. Really good. Yeah. Ernie feels like he's built for that. Um, he is. Built for that role, yeah. Well, and his dad was a sensational baseball broadcaster mm. forever. I, I grew up listening to Ernie Johnson. And, and uh, you know, it was in his blood. It was in Little Ernie's blood. And Little Ernie is, is just one of the finest people. Um, and, and any of your folks listening, go back and listen to Ernie's story about um, his son that he told at the University of Alabama. All you got to do is, is, is Google Ernie Johnson, University of Alabama. And he got up and told a story. And if you haven't heard it, you should. It's something that you should you should listen to. It's, it's unbelievably sensational. And that young man died back during the fall. So, um but it's just it's just one of those amazing stories that, that everybody should listen to. Yeah, I think they played it on they played that video on Inside the NBA right after his son passed away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, lots of tears for sure. Ernie's yeah. a he's some human man. Some he is. human. He is. He is. All right. his wife off. is too. Yeah. His yeah. Wife, All right, off off the sad stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so did you always want to do this growing up? Because I know I have a couple friends, uh, for example, my one friend, John, who's been on the podcast before, he's more into the writing side rather than the broadcasting side. But he did some games for George Mason, some basketball games for George Mason. Yeah. Um, is that something that you always wanted to do? And then also I want to caveat that question with, like, the guys that you worked with um, earlier in your career that went on to, like, like Brent and Dan and, like, all these people that are now, like, famous at ESPN or whatever. Did you – want to do that or did you figure no i want to settle down with my family like what was what was that for you so like i guess the first question is did you always want to be a sports broadcaster and then the second question is was there a i'm i'm enjoying the local stuff and the college stuff and i'm gonna settle down here type deal all right uh let's see if we can start with the beginning of that i started on the radio when i was 19 and I fell in love. And at that time, you were a disc jockey, so you played records, 45 RPM, 33s, vinyl. <laughs> and so I loved doing that, and that's when I started broadcasting high school football games and fell in love with that. And so I, I started doing that more than doing schoolwork, did not do well in school, stayed out for a while. When I went back, I got involved with the newspaper I wrote for two years because I thought it was imperative that I had some writing background. Now, there's two different writing. When you write for a newspaper, or you write for something that's print, or you write for something that folks are going to read. That is writing for the eye. If you're going to be in radio or in television, you're writing for the ear, and it is a great deal of difference, great deal of difference. But to have that background, because for me, the radio allowed me to learn to ad-lib. 
which I did live. So the mm. newspaper allowed me to do the other. And then I had a guy in Atlanta who was like my big brother, who I've stayed in touch with all of my life. He was on the air in Atlanta in television. I used to go watch him, and everybody thought I was his little brother, which thrilled me to no end, because we do kind of look alike. He looks like my family. It's hilarious. And, and um, Bill said, look, when you get through messing around, get your college degree, you come over, we'll make a tape, and then you go out the door. So my wife and I were dating at the time before we got married, so she went with me. I had never sat on a set. I knew nothing about television. He propped me up on the WAGA TV5 news set, and we ran through it three or four times, and he said, you've got a resume tape now. Go get them. So I went banging on doors. And I was very, very fortunate to get hired in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which at that time was the 79th or 80th biggest market in the country. There were 230 or 40 markets at that time. So that lets you know that was miraculous to start with. The gentleman that hired me was a guy named Randy Smith. Randy had been on the Tennessee Ball Radio Network forever. Randy and I are still in touch. I have stayed in touch with Randy all of my career, and he's just been phenomenal to help me along the way, too. But that's how the door opened, and I, so I moved to get move up in, in the world, so to speak, and to move to places that would fit better. So when I went to Birmingham, he almost ran me out the door because he said, why would you stay here doing weekends in Chattanooga when you can do, go do weekdays in Birmingham? It's a much bigger market. Okay, so I did. Stayed there for a year, and then Asheville, North Carolina, that, once again, another bigger market. And then my wife, before we got married, was working for the United States Senate in, in Washington, D.C., and the only way we could get halfway close was for me to try to move here because she had really a great, a great job. So Richmond opened up, came here. We thought we'd be here a year or two, and that was 1988 when I came here. So that gives you an idea that this became home. I always wanted to try to continue to do things. So I kept doing radio in all of the stations that I was in. I did 15 years at the country station here in Richmond because I thought that was important. So I'd go tape after our late shows during the week, and, and I was on the radio Sometimes I was alive, not all the time, but sometimes I was alive too. But I always wanted to do more because that made you more valuable. It also gave you a little extra money coming in, but it also kept honing the skills so I could do some other things. And I made sure that I got into everything I could do. Uh, we did the 100th football game between Richmond and William Mary, which was a big deal. And we did that on our local television station. I mentioned the state open golf tournaments. I just kept plugging away at stuff, and good things started happening. Randy got me my first real um, sideline job, and it was the old Oyster Bowl, is what they used to call it in Norfolk, and it was Citadel playing BMI. And the gentleman I met there was a guy named Dan Shoemaker, and Dan Shoemaker is the one that got me into Fox Sports South and so many other places over the years. Dan was a treasure to be around. And Dan opened a lot of doors for, for me because he would, he would bring me along. And I started doing college basketball as well as college football. And so the steps just kept growing until the ABC happened. And when that happened, selfishly, that was the only thing I ever really wanted to do in television. I wanted to hold an ABC mic flag, the cube that says ABC on ABC Sports, ABC College Football. I wanted to do that so badly. And so to have the chance to do that, I felt like, okay, I, I had reached it. And then at that point when I got to that, it got to be just impossible to keep doing that and to keep doing what I was doing at a local TV station. It just, you know, I was able to do it for three years, a bunch of games, but it almost killed me in the process. Uh, one year I did the, <clears throat> I did that Texas, Texas A&M game. The blue gray game was on Christmas day. I did that Day, and then I had the Citrus Bowl, which is the lead of those three big games, and that was the one my wife always says will be the biggest one for her because it was on New Year's Day. We got to do the Citrus Bowl all in one year, and then I went back to do the Hall of Fame for that Blue-Gray Bowl uh, in January, and I was physically beaten to a pulp. Uh, it was just very difficult, and I, I just knew I couldn't keep doing it. I couldn't keep going at that pace, and uh, you know, the, the boys were not very very old at that time, but either, and it really wasn't fair to my wife, but she was great about encouraging me, but it was just, it just became so much. So I, I scaled back and, and started just doing where I could do and what I could do and what I thought could fit. And, and still I was able to do some, but not, not, not the number. Now, now it's easier. I can, I can do that now. But uh, 
I think sometimes if you work hard enough and if you make enough friends, and luckily over the years I have made some great friends um, that I've worked games with 25 years ago that I'm still in touch with. And when you make friends like that, then it's then it's easy for good things to happen, and, and that's what has happened. I've been very very blessed, um, and still am today. I still have things coming at me today that that are a lot of fun for me to get to do. So hopefully that answered it. I don't know that I necessarily planned it to come out that way, but it did. And uh, a couple of games I even did play by play for for ABC, and then the guy that worked with me here in Richmond, he was working for ABC, the, the network itself, the news network part, and. I said, Mark, I can't go do these games unless, unless you're my spotter. So, you know, he comes flying out, and we've stayed in touch since 1988. And uh, so now he's way up in in, in the uh, in the hierarchy with CBS, and it's just it's been fun to stay in touch with him over all these years too. So that's that's where it just kind of connects. And, uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a whole lot of fun. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, that answered the question perfectly and more. I think goes to show and that's one of the other things I talk with people often is like everybody has their own path in life and like things just happen and kind of you got to make decisions and move on like for you was it was it the travel specifically that was really difficult well it was hard to get off because we were still doing those Friday night football shows high Mm -hmm. school football shows that I helped sell here locally and Mm -hmm. you know if you've got a game at Purdue you don't fly out the day of the game to get to a game at Purdue you have to go out the day before. So I had to start, you know, shucking and jiving, so to speak. But that, that really didn't didn't help matters. I mean, it made it worse here. And, you know, there wasn't enough money for me to just do college football for ABC, even if I'd have had a full season package all the time. It wasn't going to be enough. Plus insurance. You know, yeah. young folks don't think about that. You've got children, you better think about insurance. So – and that was really all ABC was, was doing that I could be involved with was college football. So you, you weigh your checks and balances. And, um, you know, that was, that was not going to be part of the plan. I, I, I made a trip to ESPN years ago, and, you know, they were talking about moving up there to, to do maybe one of the sports centers or something. I thought, wow, I just don't know if we could live where it's, where it's that cold. And that really wasn't – that wasn't my driving force to be – on a sports center to be doing something like that. I, I, I like the games. I, I love to do the games and to be live somewhere. And, and um, that led me to a lot of things. I mean, I, I, I told folks this, one of the most fun things I ever had a chance to do was CIAA football and basketball. And that's HBCU, historically black colleges and universities. And if you go to a place like, Charlotte, and you've got twenty five thousand fans to see the men's championship game. I don't know. I don't know that it gets any bigger than that. Very cool to be there. We had Magic Johnson come. Andrew Magic Johnson at halftime. I mean, think about that for a second. Magic Johnson was there. Sitting yeah. there, and Magic Johnson. I mean, so you have all these things to happen over the years, and you know, you're just thankful you had a chance to be a part of any of it. Yeah. No, it's a, it's, it's a really cool story. Also to see that the the arc of decisions that were made as you kept moving is like each decision is a I don't know the right word. To me it's impressive, but I, I don't know like the wherewithal to make each decision that you made along the way to continue or not continue. It all seemed to like have worked itself out in a way that like again, hindsight being twenty twenty is easy to say, but like as you run through the story that makes all the decisions that you made make sense. And they all seem to have worked out, which is probably the most impressive thing to me, to be honest, because life is very challenging and convoluted. And so to be able to, to like navigate that, especially in a world like that, where it's (laughs) at the time, maybe not as stable as, as another, as another one. Yeah. So that's, that's really cool to me. Like you had a, you had your finger on the pulse of the industry, I think in a really cool way. Well, Um, I I think the background helped. I think the background helped with that because, Mm -hmm. because I had enough of a, and I, and I took it as being very thankful to have that opportunity. I was appreciative of that. I I didn't feel like somebody owed it to me. I, I wouldn't, I was thrilled to meet all those folks and just, to be able to, to do the games. And that's really something I've always loved. I've always loved to do the games. 
And I don't think that'll ever stop. And it didn't matter what game or who was playing. I, I, I remember there was a guy named Fred Brown at ESPN, and he says to me, he says, hey, he says, I got a feeling you don't care. I said, in basketball, it's five on five with the officials and 11 on 11 in football. I said, you're right, because it's still the game. And I said, doing some of the games, it's their Super Bowl when you go in and do their games. And it, you should treat it that way as, as if you're doing the Citrus Bowl. And he got the biggest grin out of each other, and he just cracked up laughing. And he goes, I get it. I get it. The one that crushed me, though, I will give you one. There was one that I, that I wanted to have happen because I was kicking along really good in it with ABC. And I was up doing senior tennis in New York. And a guy named Terry Ewart was the head of CBS Sports as far as their production and so forth and producer. And he had me come to his office. I had to have an agent at that time. I never had an agent, but she was a dear friend of mine who had worked with me in Asheville and was a producer. So she called me. She goes, CBS wants to see you. I said, about what? And she goes, I, I think they're going to throw something at you. And I went, you got to be kidding. She goes, no. So you got to find a way around the tennis to go over and see this guy. So I go over and I meet Terry. I mean, this is great stuff. So Terry says, okay, here's what we want to do. He says, what contract are you under at ABC? And I said, well, I'm, I'm really not under a contract. I said, I, I, I freelance out of it because I'm with an ABC affiliate. And he goes, okay, we don't care that you're with an ABC affiliate. Because he said, what we'd like to do is they were doing NASCAR at the time. He said, we'd like for you to be on our NASCAR broadcast, our SEC college football, which, oh, my gosh, I'm going, you know, I grew up in Georgia. I'm a big Georgia Bulldogs fan. You know, we're still celebrating for the first time in 41 years. We're on a national championship. That may never end for some of us. And then he said, we probably want you to do the Masters golf tournament with us and maybe NCAA all this I'm going. Oh, you have to be kidding. You know, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. So he had been there, I don't know, 17, 18, 20 years, whatever it was. It wasn't three or four months after we had this discussion. Are they firing? Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm going to go to CBS. No, you're not going to go to CBS. But you know what? In the end, it worked out better. As much as I would have loved to have had all of that. It worked out better, and it worked out the way it should have. I mean, it really did. And I told somebody, I said, oh, my gosh, I must have been really being greedy in my heart, thinking, oh, I'm going to get all of this, you know. And But I wouldn't have traded the ABC folks for anything. They were, they were so good to me, so it's just – I'll tell you another crazy story, because this is this – is, I have to tell you this one. Virginia Tech is playing Florida State in the Sugar Bowl, which really was a national championship game that year. Mm-hmm. And um, here we are as a local television station, and we're on the sidelines an hour before kickoff. That was an ABC game. Jackaroot was one of the sideline folks. Jackaroot, I've gotten to know really well, but Jackaroot had laryngitis. So Howard David, who was the head of ABC Sports, had, had, knew I was there, and he called me to come. So I had not met him in person. He says, Chip, I just want you to know, if Jack doesn't have a voice, you're going to do the sidelines for Virginia Tech. And I'm like, well, <laughs> he said, end of the discussion. And I went, and he said, we'll, we'll do whatever we need to do to help you because I know you got your show before and after the game, right after the game. I said, you knew that? And he goes, I know everything going on for this game. And I went, okay, I understand. So we're doing, luckily Jack's voice came back, so that's the first thing. But we're on the field and the sidelines an hour before they're going to the ABC broadcast and, and with a kickoff. Nobody told us we weren't supposed to be there. So we're there, and the Sugar Bowl people want us to leave the field. Well, some of my ABC folks are around. I'm telling them what's going on. And it didn't take long before one of the head honchos comes down and has a very unpleasant discussion with the guy from – the sugar bowl and makes sure that he understands in no uncertain terms that I'm with them and that we are going to complete this show. And that as soon as the game's over with, I'll be back in this position and we'll be back on the air again. And then he turned to me and he goes, not a problem. I could have hugged him at that stage. Cause I thought they were going to throw us out. And Lynn Swan, you probably heard of Lynn Swan. Mm-hmm. On. I got to know Lynn Swan real well. Lynn Swan came over to the live shot with it. It was just one of the greatest shows I was ever a part of. And it was really neat to pull that off. I don't think anybody else will ever try to do that. But 
yeah, we were dumb enough to think we could, and I figured, well, ABC can't hurt us because it is an ABC game. So I didn't tell anybody differently and didn't know any differently. So we really got lucky there. But that, that, was, that was fun to do that because I know it won't happen again. Hey, sometimes you just got to, you know, that happens from time to time. Like that happened uh, in a very much smaller way to me. We were hosting, um, Mary Washington was hosting the NCAA D3 basketball tournament. And I guess like the university had reserved the first like four rows of the, of the Anderson center. Yeah. And so like, we didn't know that, but we had, cause it was in the student section. So we had gone down there and there was a couple of like students already there who were like seniors. I think I was a freshman or sophomore at the time. And some lady tries to come kick us out cause we don't have the right passes. And the guy who's the senior who's got his face painted turns around to the lady and he's like, no, 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 they're supposed to be here. They're with me. And I didn't really know him at all. And so she was like, oh, okay, whatever. She left. And he was like, don't worry, got you guys, because we need to be loud today or like whatever. But yeah, sometimes you just got to, those situations yeah. are just, they're, yeah. they're, they're really nice when they happen to you, for sure. Right. I mean, and they never told us we couldn't. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was the thing. So we, we, get, we just planned it. I thought about wearing some UMW stuff tonight, but I figured that might be too much. You might not want me to come out with a little UMW. Nah, on, it's fine. I, I've got plenty. <laughs> I'm sure. And you know, today was Dean Rucker Day on campus. Yeah, I did hear. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's quite the fit. He's he's um, for those that don't know who Dean Rucker is, he's probably the nicest person, one of the nicest yeah. people I've ever met. Like he posts yeah. on everybody's timeline for their birthday, and it's not just happy birthday. It's like a full thought out sentence of like, I hope you have the nicest of birthdays my yeah. dear friend with like all of it and like you know from him it's not like he means it and it's always always nice to hear from him he's he will be missed on campus he's one of the yeah. most amazing people I've, I've i've ever met and i i love him to death i just i just uh I, it's hard for me to imagine the school without him yeah and, uh, he, he's uh, we have we swap stuff all the time, so I know he's going to the Peace Corps. I hope I could still stay in touch with him. I don't know what limitations you have when you're with the Peace Corps, or if he'll even have service. I don't have any idea, but he'll do a phenomenal job there too. Yeah, wherever he goes. Um, I want to touch back to the the game reporting because I didn't get to ask this because I didn't want to interrupt your stories. But what about the games? Like, what about the games specifically? Um, <laughs> made you want to do those rather than go into like the studio more or those other things like what because you mentioned it could be any event whether it's tennis or any sport but like what about the what about being on the sideline like specifically for you is it the competition aspect like what like what was it for you i I love the crowd the live atmosphere because i think you can feed off the crowd and i think you can feed off the atmosphere and um there's something about doing games. I, 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 I just, I've always loved the thrill of the game and uh, the fun of the game. And I just think that's, that's something that's just in me. I, I can't tell you. Now, I, I loved anchoring a local television station. I mean, I would not have done it 26 years if I didn't enjoy that. But it was different, much different from doing a game. And I just, I don't know, I, I, that's just something that's that's always I've enjoyed whether I was doing play-by-play, where I was doing an analyst role, or whether I was doing the sidelines. It didn't. It didn't matter. It was just to be there and, and and to be a part of it, and you know, to watch folks do their thing and to see it, to see it live, and just be a part of it. Small part. Yeah. So, I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, so, doing all the local stuff for such a long time, obviously, like you've been very involved in the community, and so you're you. I know from all the Googling that I did and all the stories that, that Dallas has told me, um, you're heavily involved kind of in a philanthropic way with the community outside of the sports yeah. reporting. So, like, was that something that was a natural progression for you, having been doing the local sports? And then how did you sort of transition into yeah. doing that? Well, we had so many great opportunities um, at the TV station in Richmond, and that's where I'll stay because there were so many years. I was there for 23 years. Right. Uh, we did the Jerry Lewis muscular dystrophy telethon for all every one of those years, and um, I'm not I'm not sure anything was more difficult and yet 
more rewarding than doing those those telethons. <clears throat> Many of those young people did not make it a long time and have an impact still on me. Um, and um, to bring them a smile, um, to let them know that uh, we cared about them. There's some families that I still run into that had young folks who, who passed from that dreaded disease. But just to know that we we helped them somehow, some way, and um, that that was really important to me. And so that spun into other things that, that we were involved with, but the station was heavily involved in the telephone. And that was back at a time that were in, when telephones were, were a big deal. And, uh, MDA does not do a telephone anymore. Um, Jerry Lewis <clears throat> kind of left as he was kind of getting so, he was getting up in age and it was difficult for him to even try to do a telephone. They kind of tried to move away from that, trying to find some other avenues to, to, to make money and to, to bring money in to, to raise money for help. And, um, but to be there and, it pushed us into other things. We, we did other things over the years that made you really want to get involved. And I've had a, a long involvement with Special Olympics in Virginia. Um, and the head office is here in town. I served on their board for six years and, and still like to try to help out any way I can. And still today, there's there's a lot of folks who are executive directors that I'm in touch with, with their nonprofit. They've had a tough time during COVID for a lot of reasons. A lot of folks have. So to try to support them. Uh, means a lot uh, because they do services that uh, it's amazing what a lot of these folks do and you should support them uh, and that's that's what we've always felt always believed and i don't think that will ever change uh, it's not it's in my heart to try to help folks one last question because i know it's getting a little bit late um but to wrap all this up as we've been talking you've talked about a lot of emotional highs and lows and a lot of the ones that you've experienced from game to game, like doing three bowl games and, and right back to back, when you're supporting a team or playing on the team, you just have that one for that season. But you experience them all like like quick in a row. And then obviously with the, with the other work that you've been doing with the telethons and other things, how has that affected you both just like generally but also – I feel like for me personally, that might end up like start to take a toll at some point. Did like, did you notice that? Or like, how are you able to cope with that? Or like, kind of walk me through because if your team loses a really close game, or especially if you're playing, like being an athlete in the game, like some of those wins and losses can stick with you for a long time. So kind of walk me through how, how, how that kind of went for you. Difficult when we had young folks pass from, um, from muscular dystrophy. It was difficult. Um, but you knew that going in that that was always a possibility. So it was not always a, a, a shock that it had happened, but it happening itself was the shock. You, you never get numb to it by any stretch, but you also know that there's family left behind too that, that's really having to deal with it. So <clears throat> I don't think it ever knocked me down because I felt like I needed to keep trying to lift folks up. We talked about Dean Rucker, his birthday thing. My wife has teased me for years. Everybody I'm connected to on all of the social medias that I'm on, I do the same thing with the birthdays every day. And it could be 10, it could be 30, who knows? And there's no telling what it is for a year. But I think it's important. And folks may not see it for a month or two weeks or six months or whenever they get back on that social media. But it's amazing, I think, what it does when you remember other people so they know they are important. They do matter. And um, that's what I've always believed. And if you can spread some joy and spread some some love to some other folks and let them know you truly care. People don't care what you know until they know you care. And that's been something I've always believed. And so I've always tried I have to be as nice to folks as I can and try to get to know them as, as much as they want me to. And I, I think that that carries you through everything. And I, I try to love everything I get involved with because I think it, it, it matters to folks. 
you know, and we'll go back to the boys. I knew zero about soccer growing up where I grew up. I knew zero about swimming growing up. I mean, zero. And yet, because of my boys, I've gotten to go and do things and be a part of things I never, ever would have known or enjoyed. So when my wife, she's taken me to places I would have never thought about going. They're just the greatest experiences in the world. Uh, We've made some trips with some of these groups that you take trips with, back roads and others. And I've met some of the greatest people in the world, but it's because of, of her. And once again, you have to be open to go. And you have to be open and be willing to kind of open yourself to have those feelings. Because I think those feelings are what makes you human and having that opportunity. And those things matter. Staying in touch. I've always told my boy, stay in touch with people. Because I always go, Dad, how do you know these people? And I went, I stay in touch. Uh, my youngest was a huge Kobe Bryant fan. Huge Kobe Bryant fan. <clears throat> Gentleman here in Richmond played in the NBA for 10 years. His name was Terry Davis. Terry Davis' son, guy you probably heard of, Ed Davis. Mm-hmm. Ed played at North Carolina. Yeah. He was playing with the Lakers at that time. I called Terry. I said, Terry, my son's a huge fan of Kobe. You got any tickets? He said, yeah, you can come sit with me. So I put my Davis by Terry Davis so he could watch the game and he could ask questions. Kobe had an unbelievable first half, and he got a little bit of an ankle tweak in the second half. So he didn't get to meet him. But he did get pictures with Ed Davis, and he did see the Lakers play, and we're sitting there in the Lakers section, which was pretty cool too. So it was a neat moment, but I wouldn't have thought about going up there to see this. Davis didn't want to go, and a big deal that would be for him to go see Kobe. And Terry Davis is a dear friend of mine. He played in college here at Virginia Union, smallest school here in town. Ben Wallace, who just went in the NBA Hall of Fame, same guy, Ben Wallace, told me, and I didn't know. Excuse me, my voice is cracking on my ear. He told me this last year. I thought he was going to get in last year. And he said, I need to tell you this. I don't know if I ever told you. I said, what is it, Ben? He said, you were the first person to ever interview me on television. And he said, I always want to thank you for that because you're always so nice to me. And I thought, you were the one who was good to me. I don't, I don't feel like, you know, I did anything different for Ben than for anybody else. But he thought I did because he said, you took care of me. And I know I did that because I tried to take care of everybody. But to think, you know, here's a guy who's been pretty successful, NBA Hall of Famer. That's, that's, that's pretty nice for him to remember you. And uh, and when I see him, he bear hugs me. You know, I don't come up halfway. <laughs> I'm about maybe right here, you know. I mean, he's huge. So, yeah. But some of those stories are so important to me, and it, not just those guys who are the names, but they're just as many as guys who are just were good players who got to play in college. And, you know, those guys meant just as much as, as anybody, and they knew that. I loved all of them. Still do. Still love being around them. So that's kind of where that goes. And it's, it's, hey, it's been fun. I'm still having fun with it. I just turned 29, so Okay. <laughs> I'm a little over it, but I tell folks I'm only 29 because I feel that way. I feel 29, which is which is true. I still feel like a million dollars, so I you want know, to keep going. No need to stop. But I'm not playing soccer anymore. I'll get I'll get into that. I can't play what I'm get hurt with. <laughs> uh, fair enough. I think that is that is a great way to close this out. Very wise words. Um, yeah, I don't. You said it all. I don't have anything to add. Well, that's pretty good if I did that. Wow. <laughs> I'd to send you a check or something for that one, I guess. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I really appreciate your time and your insights. Um, definitely have a lot to think about moving forward with, with myself, my own life for sure. Um, so thank you. You're more than welcome. You'll do great. I got great confidence in you. You, you put up with Dallas. So, Hey, you gotta be a good guy. I mean, you put up with him and, uh, and, Wedding coming up, and you fit the jackpot on who you're marrying. What I don't know what else you need to have going for you. Still playing soccer. What what else do you need? You got your own podcast. My goodness, what else? We didn't even know what a podcast was until a few years ago. Remember that? Didn't know what it was. I know it's crazy. It's it is crazy. crazy. Think you're sitting here zooming as a podcast. I mean, it's just nuts. So, and that you're doing video and audio. It's there's no 
there's there's no there's no ends to it. I don't know where it's going to go. Who knows? We'll find out, won't we? Who knows? I hope I'm around to see more of it. But like I said, at 29, I think I got a pretty good chance. Yeah, you'll you'll be around. You'll be around (laughs) for a little while. Well, it's been fun. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. We should do this again sometime soon. Sounds great. We'd love to. All right. With that, we'll see you guys next time. Peace.